Hello everyone and welcome back to the Game of Loans podcast. It's me, Sam, and today I'm going to be joined by Chanel in what was actually originally a live stream that was broadcast directly into our brand new Grand Union Finance Family Facebook group, which is an exclusive Facebook group we launched in February just for Grand Union Finance clients. So it enables them to not only network with one another, but also take advantage of some special hints and tips from me and the team, regular live streams and loads of documents and guides and stuff that we put in there too. So this was actually the first live stream we did, me and Chanel, of course, just talking about property finance and going through a little bit of what's going on in the market, both mortgages, uh, bridging finance, and so on and so forth. A few case studies of some of the stuff we've been working on recently and some other little gems for you to enjoy. So hopefully this is a useful episode for you to listen to. This episode, of course, is in association with Grand Union Finance. As always, your one-stop shop for mortgages, bridging finance, development finance, and commercial mortgages. We are the Property Investors Broker. So if you want to get in touch with me or the team, you can get in touch by on the phone um, on 0121-828-1400. Of course, via email, info at grandunionfinancelltd.co.uk um, and all the details are available below as well. There's also a link to book a bridging call direct with Chanel if you need to speak to her. And um, yeah, should we just get on with it? Great episode this, lots to take away. Hopefully you enjoy. <coughs> Hello, everybody. How are we all doing? Welcome to the first ever live stream in the Grand Union Finance uh, Family Facebook group. Um, lovely to uh, to be chatting with you all. I'll be joined very, very soon by our very own senior broker, Chanel Edwards, um, who we were just having a little chat backstage on uh, in this studio, and um, and she forgot to uh, to plug her plug our laptop in so it died so I thought what I'll do is I'll come on and say hello um and uh and yes yeah, start uh get get the ball rolling so to speak so hopefully um many of you will get to join us uh over the next um hour or so while we'll be chatting about what's going on um if none of you join us that's absolutely fine because you may very well be watching this back it will go onto the uh onto the platform and stay there so you will be able to watch this later on. Um, basically, the whole purpose of these um, these live streams really are that um, we want to be able to, number one, uh, keep you guys updated on the kind of stuff that's uh, that's going on in the market at the moment, uh, which obviously is, uh, is massively important for you guys. Um, and I also want to just have some conversations really with some people that, I think you're going to find, um, you know, really interested, uh, really interesting in terms of some of the stuff that they'll be able to to help you with. So, um, so yeah, so hopefully these will be will be very useful as we um, as we uh, as we continue on. Uh, Chanel has just come back on. Um, now, no one, no one has currently joined the live, um, and okay. I am I am concerned as to whether or not it is actually going live um so let's hope that it is um i'm trying to have a look now in the actual group to see whether um to see whether it is or is going live um but i can't i can't see basically whether it is or not <laughs> so what we might just have to do is um is do this it is automatically being recorded anyway and yeah. worst comes to worst we'll post it um we'll post it in the group and uh 
so at least at least our time will not completely go to waste but it doesn't look <laughs> like it's uh it's going live in the group so who knows who knows, who well, knows? Yeah. If, we can, if we can record it and post it after then at least yeah. everyone gets to watch it in their own time even exactly exactly so yeah i'm having a look now and just seeing if it's uh it's actually working and i've got absolutely no idea whatsoever so <laughs> so we'll look we'll get we'll go um, oh there is someone there is someone watching there is somebody wow, watching someone in. so so it must be working thank you uh forever it is that is watching um <laughs> if you are watching then can you just type your name into the comments so that we know who, we know who it is that'd be great <laughs> it's probably going to be jess or my mom <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> So um, well, look, at least at least we know it's working. That's the good thing. Um, so as I was just saying before, um, Chanel jump back on. Uh, really, the purpose of, of us doing these is to um, not only for us to be able to keep all of our clients updated what's going on in the market, have some nice chats. It's Ragu. Hi, Ragu. Lovely to see you. Um, we are also going to be getting some not only some guests that I think are going to be able to help us out with other stuff outside of just finance um so you know it might be people that come on that are solicitors might get surveyors uh tax advisors all that kind of stuff but we are hopefully going to get um some of our clients uh to come up and uh and, and join us as well to talk through some of the projects they've been working on um and stuff like that so um so yeah hopefully it should be it should be really good but look I'm really happy. You and I chat very frequently, Chanel. Um, but yes. what we don't usually get, we're just talking about, you know, you're telling me about your clients. I'm telling you about my clients. And we're talking about some some of the deals that we're working on. But we don't often get the opportunity to just talk about the market and yeah. kind of what's going on and, and stuff like that. It's been a bit of a weird start to the year with the base rate staying the same, um, but mortgage rates coming down. Yeah. Um I got a big question for you to kick us off. Do you think we've reached the bottom of mortgage rates for the time being, or do you still think they've got a little bit of way to go? That's I'm putting you on the spot now, aren't I? Yeah, because I, I have, I've, um, no idea. See, I can't. Just... <laughs> <laughs> no, I think the stability. Again, I, I've said it a couple of times before, but like the stability that we need in the market allows for rates to either stay the same or come down. I mean, that's what we're getting at the moment, which is nice. Um, but I know that, I don't know. I can't, can't, I can't think of. <laughs> I knew that was going to, I knew it was going to put you on the spot. I knew it was going to put you on the spot, but I knew, I knew you were up to the task. So No, yeah, no, I do. There's a lot of speculation, isn't there? Because people are saying they think that it's going to stay the same and then go down later on in the year. Other people are saying, oh, well, it might just continue to come down. But we did see some corrections last week because the swap rates did go up a bit. So um, I think, I mean, it's just, they're all, the lenders, they're all just, well, they're not guessing really, are they? But, you know, they did sort of guess and they lowered their rates and then they've obviously got it a bit wrong because then swap rates went up. So, um I don't know. It's so it's it just changes so frequently that it's you just never know what could what could happen next week. I know, and this is kind of what I'm saying to clients at the moment is it isn't it isn't the easiest thing to predict. We can all you know we can all make educated guesses as to what's yeah. kind of going on, but the reality of it is is that no one truly knows. And and I think when you're in that kind of market, when no one truly knows, he who hesitates is lost. 
and you will get a lot of people that will not take action. I mean, how many clients over the years, I know I've spoken to tons that fit this description. I know you've had a few as well. How many over the years where you've had about 9,000 conversations with them and they never do anything? They, they always are a prospective client, a prospective property investor. They're going to buy that property and then they never do. And I think if you really wanted to find an excuse not to start investing, not to buy, yeah. not to take action, you're always going to find one. I mean, in my career, we've had the credit crunch, we've had Brexit, we've had um, the, the, the pandemic, we've had a multitude of things that have happened which have led to people saying, oh, this isn't the right time, I'll just wait until whatever, whatever it is they think they're waiting to. Yeah. And I, I had one this week, Jess and I were on the, on a, on a call with a, with a client, a couple of clients together, and um, re researched the market, went back, uh, and these clients, you know, we, actually the products that they had access to were, were really good. Mm. And um, and they come back and said, um, and they were just refinancing two properties to release funds to purchase more property. And they came back and they said, we're not going to go ahead. Um, the, fee, the, the, the rates are too high at the moment. We're going to wait a couple of months for rates to come down. And I went back to them and I said, when do you think, like, I mean, if rates do come down, like talking like a cut tiny couple of basis points one point one point two point three the reality of it is it's not gonna it's not gonna change everything like drastically it's just gonna it's it's just gonna you know it's not gonna you're not you're not really benefiting that that much in the grand scheme of things you might be saving like three or four pounds a month literally yeah. i think it's 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 for some clients it's uh paralysis by analysis sometimes and it's about finding the right balance, I think, of being, you know, trying to make the right choice, but also, you know, taking taking advantage of, of what the situation is at the moment or, you know, just taking action, essentially. Um, I had a conversation with a client and I really like the analogy of like, you know, you, you don't complain about the price of a shovel when you're digging for gold and it's all the same that property is a long game and things like that. And I think you're getting good value for money for, for what you're borrowing your money when you're borrowing money at four or five percent. I think when your property deal is making upwards of 10 percent, I know it's not amazing, but you're being paid twice in property, not just in the in the rental income that you're trying to create cash flow with. But it's, it's you know, it's, it's the appreciation of the asset as well. So. I think a lot of people are very can be quite you know one one what's it one 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 dimensional what yeah or like yeah one track one, mind one track mind that's it and they're thinking you know well the rates isn't what I want it to be but I think it's about learning what the environment that you're in which is investing and, and the property market <laughs> which one was it? <laughs> I mean, I have to warn everyone that's watching this. I'm sitting in my in my uh, on my sofa, and uh, my cats are circling. So if you see any feline friends on this on this particular live stream, that that's the reason why. <laughs> so um, sorry, sorry, Chanel, that yeah. took you completely <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. out of your flow, didn't it? <laughs> but yeah, no, um, and that's it. I think, and that's the conversation that I had this week with a client saying, "Oh, I don't know whether to go for it or wait a while." And I think it's just this is you just do it when you need to do it and if you're doing a five-year fixed then you know you, that's I know you're tying in for a longer period of time but long property is a long game and so unless you're in your in your growth stage where you're on your two-year fixes and things like that then it's 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 yeah 
I mean, that's what that's what I'm saying to clients is, you know, you just got to go for it. And and it is what it is. Like I say, you've got good value for money at the moment in what you're paying. You know, other countries are paying nine, 10 percent interest rates. And so exactly. Uh, I think people are just chasing the good old days of covid and one percent, two percent rates. And mm. um, I think it's just, yeah, get, get into grips with what the circumstances are right now and understanding that that is. Exactly. And I think, you know, there are every in every market, there are there are opportunities for deals. There are always going to be opportunities for deals in any, in any market. It's about just understanding it's, it, anyone can make money in a, in a good market, in an up market, upward trending market. Anyone can make money when interest rates are low. Now's the type of market that tests the resolve of the good quality investor, I think. And, I and the thing is, as well, is I, I mean, I've said it, it's kind of become like I feel like my motto over the last six to nine months or so is my um is i'm saying that that basically purchase price is temp is permanent interest rate is temporary yeah. so at the moment when we are and i you know you tell me what you think about this i think we are heading towards the bottom of the residential market um and that's when there's going to be loads of deals now the reason for that just go off on a minor tangent one of the reasons why i'm i think that the we're hitting the end of at the bottom end of the market is there's been a huge, huge shift in the numbers of um, st uh, stocks sold at auction going down. Mm. So when you hit about 50% sold, sold rates at auctions, you know that you're in a pretty rubbish market. Mm. I've had quite a lot of um, clients of mine that have been trying for a few months to get to buy property auction that are suddenly actually being able to buy auction they're not being priced out they're getting it for the price that makes sense for the deal to work so that's a really good indication to me that we're heading towards the bottom, bottom end of the market so if you're able to buy property acquire property if you've got loads of cash right now if i had a million quid right now i'd be buying as much property as i possibly could mm. i really would and it, I wouldn't really care all that much what the interest rate was going to be yeah. because I know that in the future I'll get a better interest rate. Yeah. Right now it's acquisition, and like you've you absolutely nailed it earlier on when you said that you 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 know you get it twice with 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 property. You get the income every month, which at the moment might be taking a bit of hit, but over yeah. a period of time you will see the capital appreciation. Over the last fifty years, we have seen pretty much um, you know time after time the the value average value of a property in the uk double every seven to ten years and to go off on another tangent on that by the way <laughs> i did a post about this on tiktok of all places um because one thing i do on tiktok which i don't do on instagram all that much although i've start i'm gonna start doing it because i like um i quite like the interaction uh, with it is the controversy <laughs> yeah it, no, it's a controversy but i reply to people's um comments on one video in another yeah. um and somebody uh i was um i was posting about the value of properties like going up over a period of time and um and i mentioned about them, them doubling um or no i mentioned about them going up and somebody in the comments said that's ridiculous um there's no way that um that property prices you know go up that much blah 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 and i said well they actually on average double um mm -hmm. in every seven to ten years and in fact over the last 50 years um in in london the, the price of a property in london has pretty much doubled doubled every 10 years and um and they said they just put you're wrong that was the only thing they said you're wrong 
I then responded with the average price for property in 1960, 1970, 1980, 1990, uh, 2000, 2010, 2020. And almost to, to like the nearest thousand pounds, it was nailed wow. on double. Um, and I mean, that was quite lucky for me. I didn't think it was yeah. going to be that close, yeah. but it literally was just double, 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 double every single time. Um, so, you know, people always say, oh, yeah, well, the market's different now. Well, the market's been different a hundred times. And that still yeah. that still happens because in this country, we have the the right ecosystem for property price to increase, which is we don't have an endless supply of land. This isn't the state where everyone has a, a detached house yeah, because there's just too much space. We have spaces at a premium. So there's that. We are not, um, our population is growing at a decent rate. Mm. Um, our wages are increasing at one of the highest rates in, in the Western world, which means that our disposable income is high. We have one of the best banking systems in the world. Mm. And certainly, I think the best lending system in the world in terms of security. Um, we have the most number of lenders and the the price of funding is cheap compared to a lot of places around the world. So when you have all of those things together, that clearly shows that we are going to just continue to see the, you know, the, the price of property rise. Yeah. Um, you know, we might have the odd year where it dips and we might have the odd two or three year period where it stagnates or dips, but yeah. on the whole, it is going to, it is going to keep going up. So if you are a long-term strategist, which most property investors should be, to be honest, when when do you buy things? When they're cheap? Why why do people go nuts for the next sale on Boxing Day? They queue yeah. up. I used to work at Next when I was a kid, and I used to be there on Boxing Day, and they would be queuing up round the corner yeah. to buy all their next clothes in the sale. You know, get ten pound off, whatever. Because they, and they they knew that that was the time to buy because they knew that was going to be cheap. So guess what you do when you when you're buying assets? You buy them when they're cheap and you sell them when they're less cheap. Like yeah. it's it's investing one hundred and one. So yeah, I think there's a lot of people at the moment. Number one, definitely um, uh, paralysis by analysis, as you said. But also they are they just everyone's got an excuse. Everyone's everyone's thinking short term. You know, it's br. We've lived we lived in the we've lived in the brr bubble for the last five years. Mm. Where, where people have been like oh money in money out deals let's yeah. go let's Samuel leads and then yeah. actually you know those types of deals aren't around anymore so they're like oh i'm gonna wait until those deals are around anymore they may never be around ever again yeah. you yeah, know yeah, we yeah. don't we don't know that you've got to pivot you've got to try something else and that's what that's what i'm seeing my best clients are doing is they are taking stock of what's around them and they're adjusting and they are but they're still growing that's the most important thing i think that's and, and that's what i've said um you know during the last year i would say year and a half is i mean you've seen transitions haven't you from where rates were really low but properties were hard you know you had like 20 people bidding on the same house and things like that because people were encouraged to go out and buy and that's that's the whole purpose of the ecosystem isn't it and what the, the economy is trying to do now which is you know calm everything down a bit by increasing rates and when you increase rates, then people, a lot of people are put off. They don't want to buy because the rate's too high. And that's when some of our clients have been getting some good deals re recently. Um, and yeah, like you said, they're, they're understanding that. They're understanding the market because that's, 
it's all good and well being a property investor and being good at finding deals or raising finance. But if you're not running it like a business and understanding what the what, what is necessary to survive in if it's sort of bulletproof your business in any environment, then you can struggle in times like what we've just been through where you can't refinance when you buy to let because you bought uh, and, you know, with a, re- a deal where the rate was really low, so the deal did work, and now all of a sudden the, the, the rate's loaded by a couple of percent and it doesn't work anymore. So, yeah, it's being agile um, and, and and having that understanding, that base understanding of what you need to know. You know, you don't need – and I've said this before as well – you don't need to be a rocket scientist. You don't need to be an economist. But you need to know enough or your broker needs to know enough about what's going on to advise you to make those educated decisions and – as I say, a good a good uh, investor just pulls all the right people together, gets the right advice, and then makes their informed decision quickly and, yeah, informed to move forward. Yeah, do you know what? There's two things on there that I'll, I, I'll pick up on, which um, the first one is what you've just said in terms of the team. And the second one is about the business element of it, because I think that's a really, really interesting point, because I made a comment on um, I was watching my friend Jack Wicks did a social housing seminar on YouTube yesterday. Um, if you don't yeah. follow Jack and you're watching this, go and follow him on Instagram and YouTube. Really good um, investor that invests in social housing. Um, and he was talking about, um, you know, social housing being you know, the, the, the most passive way to invest in, in, in property, which I tend to agree with, to be perfectly honest with you. But I put a comment on there, which I thought was really insightful, and no one seemed to pick up on it at all. And it was that social housing is a way of, so prop, the best property investors and the best, the best people in property succeed if they match investing in assets, i.e. the property, with, and coupling that with a really strong business system. Yeah. And that the reason why when you think about it, the reason why um, social housing is such a passive income strategy is because you're not you're not coupling um, a, a an asset with a business system that you own. You're actually coupling it with one that you're commandeering from somebody else, a pre-existing business system, which is a company that houses people. So yeah. by, by putting those two together, you're creating a really good business and asset base combined. And actually, if you think about the best like service accommodation, um in investors for example they will have effectively a business system that is a hospitality business that runs all of the um uh all the bookings on airbnb and booking.com they'll have a system that makes sure that the cleaners are going in at the right time and stuff so you've got the asset Mm-hmm. And then you've got the business system that runs alongside it to to work on it, which I, I so I, I love that. And my clients that have both business and assets, I think are some of my favourites to work with because of that. Yeah. Um, because they not only realise that business uh, the that property is a business, but they also actually have a business. Every every strategy you can mm-hmm. think of, yeah. if it's if it's even if it's HMOs, are uh, some of my best clients will have like little weird not weird like little companies and they're like so be half of them would be like outsourced to the philippines or whatever it's mm. just vas that deal with um you know issue like people that um tenants that have issues or um renewals of of um, insurance and netflix or you yeah. know make sure that the cleaners are going in to kind of clean the communal spaces and stuff like that so there are business mm. systems that run alongside um the uh the, the property stuff so i think that's really interesting and what was the other other thing that you literally just said and i've forgotten about it now the last point you just made that's really gonna really bug me because it was such a good little point 
It's going to annoy I me. I can't even remember, and I said it. <laughs> if anyone's watching this and you can remember, please put it in the comments. Um, yeah, because it was a really good point. And I did it on purpose. I said them both. So that I thought, yeah, well, you that's did. Gonna, that's going to lodge right. it in my brain. <laughs> I'm, sure I'll, I'm sure I'll think about it. Um, oh, you were talking about um, like stress test. Oh, no, you were talking about um, having the right advisors around you. Yes. yes. That's what you're talking about. Again, on that, like, I'm not just saying that this because we are brokers and our job is incredibly easier when our clients just take our word for it. Like, mm -hmm. I, I mean, I think we're quite lucky um, because a, I think we are lucky that we have really good clients. I think on the whole, the clients that we speak to, I think because of the way that we portray ourselves as a business. Um, and by the way, the marketing that we do is like, there's no strategy to it. <laughs> we just we just post things that we think about on the spot most of the time. But yeah, um, I think because of that, because we're very real and we just, um, you know, we just talk about what's going on. There isn't a lot of strategy to it, so there, therefore there isn't any overthinking to it. Mm. I think it comes across quite authentic, and I think as a result, we attract similar people in kind. So we will we will get clients that are pretty transparent. Mm. are pretty down to earth and and i think because they've seen firsthand that we know what we're talking about because we produce content where we're literally just answering people's questions a lot of the time um they will i guess maybe we have that trust element a bit quicker than maybe some other companies might um so maybe that's got a role to play but i have you know there have been times and, and we joke don't we that sometimes we'll get people go are you sure that's the cheapest rate i can get and i always just feel like going nah i just picked it out of thin air like i got no idea uh, this is why i actually make a point now i see even <laughs> seven even 17 years into doing this job i still i still learn stuff and fairly recently i've started in my initial consultations with brand new clients i will talk them through yeah our research process whether it's a mortgage whether it's bridging finance i will say to them look this is what we do i'm going to do this first then mm -hmm. i'm going to do this then yeah. i'm going to do this and then i'm going to ring the lender and then i'm going to get them to email me confirmation so they know that when we come back with a recommendation it's actually based on something because the thing yeah. is is you don't know what you don't know and most of our clients actually will have absolutely no idea what we're doing in the background yeah um, that's true yeah and, and they probably just assume that we go on like comparethemeerkat.com when to a certain extent we've got a, a version of that, but it's much more sophisticated and we have other software that belongs alongside it. And we have access to decision makers at lenders where we can have deep, meaningful conversations and yeah. we can really you know, weed out whether or not something's going to go ahead or not. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think... Uh, we have to, you know, our clients that we that we notice take advice from their advisors, be it ourselves, be it their solicitors, mm -hmm. be it their, you know, tax advisors, whatever it might be. Agents, you know, listen, listen to agents and what they're telling you as well. I've got a story about that actually in a sec. Uh, don't let me forget talking to agents. Um, but, you know, taking taking the advice from the people around you does two mm -hmm. things. Number one, it means that you're probably going to get it right nine times out of ten. Yeah. And, and number two it leaves you to be able to worry about the stuff that you're in charge of, not, mm. not having to second guess a broker as to whether or not they've got you the, the right mortgage or second guessing your tax advisor as to whether or not they've advised you to structure your companies in the right way. So I think it is really important, um, especially at the moment when things are a little bit complicated to, to really listen and take the advice off your advisor, um, you know, in, in whichever field it is. So yeah. 
I know you've had a couple of clients you've had to sort of go back and say those sort of things to have you? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's tough because when when you go to these uh, courses and things like that, they always say, oh, go to a builder, get three quotes. And um, they're probably just applying the same sort of thing is to, to speak to uh, advisors. But it's such when when you're it's such niche advice that you have to give. And it is really easy for if a broker wants to win your business, it would be really easy for for me to finish the call and look for the cheapest lender and then go, yeah, that's the lender and win the business. And then three months down the line, go, oh, that that lender actually, you don't fit criteria. So sorry about that. And that that happens a lot to, to clients. But like you said, it's the time and effort that we take to go after the call. It can take a number of hours, up to, you know, two days sometimes it can take us to get back to clients because we're waiting for lenders and things like that. And it, yeah, it's, it can be frustrating at times where they say, is that the right rate? You know, it is just second, a bit of second guessing. But yeah, ultimately, we're, we're self-employed, so we wouldn't be wasting our own time for two days trying to find the lender that we know is going to be a success um, just to just to present it to you and, and it not be the, cheap, the cheapest or the best lender that's available. Yeah. And not even that. It's not sometimes about price because... I've had a client recently where we went with the cheapest lender and it was all going fine. And then the, the, the valuation came out and it wasn't actually a six bed HMO. It was a five bed HMO because one of the rooms was too small. So now all of a sudden we've got changed lenders and I've had a similar issue with uh, another client a couple of months before. And I thought, well, I know this, I know a lender that will do this. And they were one lender, more expensive but i knew that this lender does it and i thought well why would i this client's on a bridge by the way i thought well why would i for the sake of 0.02 percent or something why would i go with that lender and chance it and potentially waste a month or something until the valuation takes place why not just go with a lender that we know is going to give you the best chance and that's what i always say as as a broker yeah it's my job to find you the cheapest lender but i've i've also got to consider that we're trying to mitigate any risk of this this not being successful so we want to make sure that it, we get it right first time for you so yeah yeah it's do you know what it's about this is where it's we talk about holistic advice so yeah. we are as a brokerage we're not very, we're not transactional you know look I'm, yeah. if you if you had any proof that we weren't a transactional organization it's setting up a facebook group for our existing clients and <laughs> doing a live stream for them to, to help educate them on what's going on and give them some insight into what we do and and, and obviously you know as i've said before moving forward these live streams we were, we're gonna have guests from other parts of the industry um to help educate them and we're gonna get our clients to to be part of these as well as a as the Facebook group grows, we know that it's, um, you know, people with, we're still waiting for, for clients to join because we only launched it, you know, five days ago. So, um, mm. but, um, but yeah, we, the advice that we give is based on their long-term needs, yeah. not a quick fix. And this will, this will, um, I, I mean, I've never actually said what I'm about to say in the way that I've said it. I've had discussions internally, but I don't think I've ever actually told anyone about I used to, the, the, the last company I worked for, and I, have to, I guess I got to be a bit careful about what I say, but the last company I worked for, the guy that was the managing director of this company, what he would do is on the phone to the client, 
he would um, say to them, do exactly what you, you've just done. Keep it right on the market is this. And he'd send over the, an illustration and then he, and then he'd get his, um, he'd get his assistant to go call the, call that client, fill out all the paperwork, research the market for him. Um, it was like a power planner. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then come back and realize that that lender wasn't a possibility. And, and then we'll go back and say, Oh, sorry. Yeah. You can't get that. So mm -hmm. I've stopped you. I've stopped you from going to speak to any other brokers. Yeah. And now, now I'm going back and telling you that isn't possible. So all you're doing is like raising their expectations and then mm. coming back to them and disappointing them. I would much rather do what we do, which is have meaningful conversations, get a true understanding of what they want, be open and honest with them and say, this might take us one to two days to get this done because we are going to go into a lot of depth and detail and we're taking your long-term future into account with this as well. I'm not just going, you know, for a quick buck to to, to get this submitted, get some fees, uh, whatever it might be. There's no point us doing one transaction that's going to earn us a few hundred quid. We're better off doing the right thing, earning less. Like, so sometimes, I mean, you, you've done it, Chanel. I've heard you do it. I've done the same thing. Saying to the client, don't borrow that much. Yeah. On a, on a bridging loan, don't, if you borrow less, then the chances are you're going to be able to recycle more on the back end if you re when you want to refinance. People don't realize we get paid as a percentage of how much they borrow. The best way of knowing whether a broker actually has your best interests at heart is if they actually advise you to borrow less because that's them basically giving up income. Taking a pay cut, yeah. <laughs> them taking a pay cut in favor of giving you the right rate, uh, sorry, the right advice. So, yeah, that um, – when I think back to those times, and I remember just, I remember sitting in the office with that guy and I could hear him and I was thinking, oh, yeah, sales, sales, you need man. confidence then though. And that's look back to what you said. We're here to build relationships and have longstanding clients because that's the industry that we're in is that if you, you know, people do buy, normally buy more than one property when they're investing in property. So we want to be along on that journey with them. And so, yeah, like you said, if you're on the first deal you do, you, you, building them up to this point and then letting them down or showing, you know, just disappointing them, then yeah, they'll, they'll lose confidence and, and think, well, well, why couldn't I get that? Why did they sound, tell me that in the first place? And yeah, exactly. And, and it, it, you, like you said, you lose confidence. You're like, well, why didn't you know that that lender won't do it? Like I, I know I'm again, I know, I know you do exactly the same thing. We'll be on a client. We'll be on a call with a client and we'll extinct with, sometimes I will just quickly have a look at our sourcing system whilst I'm on the phone with them just to give them people an indication. Okay. Well, you know, we're, we're looking, we're looking at this, but I will like, we know, for example, if a client's got less than 25,000 pounds worth of income and there's a buy to let mortgage that they want, we can do a quick search on our sourcing system and we'll know straight away if the top one, two, three, four, five, even has a chance of lending to them on that criteria point alone. So I could have an, or, the, the other the other big one for me the, the quick easy one is that is the pre six months open market yeah. value yeah, yeah, yeah like like you'll you'll we'll do we'll have a look at our sourcing system and I don't know um I'm trying to think of a lender that doesn't do it now Kensington will come up yeah. you know top and I'll be like right Kensington cheapest but I know Mr or Mrs client you ain't getting that rate because we've only owned, we we bought on a bridge and we're trying to refinance and you've only owned it for two and a half months um so second on that list is lend invest right i know lend invest will do it or lambe i know lambe will do it and yeah. that it's you know you do as a broker i mean look we you know i don't want anyone watching this to think oh so hang on so you're just plucking stuff out like 
criteria out thin air. No, these are just quick, easy wins in our head of like, okay, well, we're, we're starting to slowly kind of half rule people out. We will always double check criteria because criteria, criteria checks all the time. And this is another thing. I love it when I get caught out by criteria because because uh, uh, sometimes a client will go, oh, this lender does this. And it might, and, and I'll go, oh, right, cool. I, yeah. And they'll go, oh, you, you didn't know that, did you, Sam? And I'll go, when did they change that criteria? Oh, yesterday. Yeah, well, guess what? I'm quite busy. And <laughs> yeah. I, it's not like I would have ended up giving you the wrong advice. I just would have discovered during the course of my research that that criteria changed at that point because yeah. it's a little bit like I, I so I did, um, whenever I do a pub quiz with my mates and a history question come up, I did two history degrees. So they're going to me, oh, you should know the answer to this one, Sam. And I'll go, no. <laughs> yeah. History, right? The topic of history is everything that's ever happened ever in the world ever until now. <laughs> right? I don't know it all. But the yeah. art of actually studying and learning history is that you um, you know how to access and interpret the data. Yeah. Um, so it's exactly the same being a broker. We yeah. cannot know off by heart every single criteria. Like we might do if we're a certain panelled broker that works yeah. with like 10 lenders. Yeah. And then we're probably going to get a really good understanding that we'll know their criteria into that. But we're, when we're working with 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 lenders on the mortgage side and hundreds of lenders potentially on the bridging side, we're not going to remember everything. But... We've got access to the information and we understand it better than Joe Bloggs on the street. Yeah. Therefore, we're going to be able to interpret it better and give better advice, basically. Yeah, so, 100%. You know, that's, that's, what, that's what how we work. Yeah. That is it. That is it. That is it. Um, I was going to tell you a story about agents. Yes, you were. And so I gave this bit of advice. And we have to be careful when we use the term advice because in our regulated game saying the word advice actually means you're giving actual proper yeah. written down in a report type advice yeah, this, wasn't, yeah. this wasn't that type of advice so when i mentioned about listening to agents earlier on i was talking to a client recently and he's brand new to the game and he said to me he's like i'm thinking about investing in i can't remember i think he said liverpool and i said cool um and he says but i don't really know what I should be investing in. He goes, I know Liverpool seems to be a good area because I know lots of other people that invest there. I'm like, that's cool. Like that's a that's a good enough reason as any to pick a pick a gold mine area. So I said, have you been there? And he said, yeah, I went to go and watch a football match there like a few years ago. I was like, okay, well, you haven't really been there, been there, have you? And he said, he said, okay, well, so what should I do? And I said to him, I said, look, mate, mate, I call my I call my clients mate all the time. Look, mate. mate. Um I said what's the best way of ever knowing like anything in terms of like what what the what the need is so if you are creating a product the best way of knowing whether that product is sellable is to try and sell it mm. you know because if if it doesn't sell no one's like like you you yeah. know that it's a crap product or you've yeah. marketed it poorly or whatever I said, so the best thing to do is you want to rent property in Liverpool. So the best the best place to go is a lettings agent. And you want to say to that lettings agent, right, I've just walked in through the door. What were you hoping that I had for you to rent out? What were you like going, oh, I, do you know what? I really hope that they've got a two bedroom flat on yeah. Anfield Court. You know, yeah. so then they'll they'll tell you. 
And then you'll say, excellent. So I'm a new investor to the area. I only want to buy property for you guys to rent out that you want to rent out really quickly and easily. Tell me what they are and I will go and find those properties. Mm. And then they'll go, right, okay. So the three types of properties you want to be looking for is two up, two downs on London Road. Mm. Um, we can't get enough of those. Or we actually have a real shortage of one bedroom flats in the city centre. Okay, great. And what about, oh, and also in this part, in this area, we are we have such a long waiting list for people that want to rent bungalows in that area. Awesome. So then you've got three types of properties. And then you'll say to them as well, like, what do they, what do these properties rent for? Well, they rent for this on average. Excellent. Okay, cool. And the waiting times, you know, if I put it on the market, how quickly are they being rented out? Oh, they're, they're flying off the shelves. One to two weeks, you'll, you'll have an offer accepted. Bang, mm -hmm. done. So then what you do is you work out what kind of yield is right for the area and you can use right move for doing this. And then you go to the sales team at exactly the same agent and you go, yeah. Sally's just said that you guys, <laughs> that, that they really want these three types of properties on these three roads. Have yeah. you got any of those for sale at the moment? And they'll yeah. go, yeah, actually, we've got this dilapidate, dilapidate, dilapidated even two up, two down in on London Road, but no one's buying it because everyone in that area wants family homes that are ready made. Amazing. How much is it on the market for? It's on the market for this. Okay, And then you instantly, because you've done your sums, you're like, okay, well, I need I need it to have a yield of five and a half percent. So for it to be, to be I'm going to get this much rent per year. So for that to be five and a half percent, I can't buy it for any more than this mm. or I know the GDV is going to be that and I want to do a money in money out deal so I can work backwards and I can uh, look at 75% loan to value off the GDV and I can work out that that's what I've got to, I've got to, I got to aim for. And then boom, you, um, you, you've suddenly created and you haven't even stepped out of one estate agents yet. <laughs> and, and I literally, right. So I'm talking to this guy, bless him. He was about 22 <laughs> and he literally went, I've just got off a three-day course that I spent four and a half grand on. <laughs> and I left not knowing how to find the property. And you've wow. just explained what I need to do in like 27 minutes. <laughs> I'm like, well. That's the thing though as well, is that we're, we're speaking to so many different clients and, and different strategies. And they all have got their all little golden nuggets that they sort of share with us. And um yeah, I'm sure plenty of the clients listening back will, will be happy that we're probably sharing on their knowledge of things that they've done. That's the whole purpose of this group. As it grows, like, look, like I said, we're five five days into this. There's 18 members so far. Like, I'm, I'm not expecting this to be happening right now. But, you know, we've got, I think we've done business with over a thousand people since we started Grand Union two and a half, uh, three and a half years ago. And yeah, you know what? Not all of them are going to want to go in a Facebook group. I fully appreciate that. But even if a third of them eventually make their way in here, that's a, that's a decent number of active. Don't forget as well, to be a member of this group, you have to have actually done a deal. Therefore, by, by contrast to other Facebook groups that people might be in, this is going to be 100% filled with active investors. Yeah, yeah. There's not going to be one person in here that is not an actual property investor right now. So yeah. the quality of the conversation should be 10 times higher. And mm -hmm. as I said before, us adding to that, people, you know, as we get more and more people going, coming onto these live streams, there's going to be more comments that people are going to be able to look at. There's going to be more 
um, clients that we're going to be able to actually bring into these these live streams and, and, and chat. You know, I, you and I have had a conversation about some of the people that we work with that we think would be really awesome guests in the future on these live streams. So it is going to be for people, you know, to be able to, um, you know, le learn hopefully yeah. more in this group that's run by a mortgage brokerage, which is really weird when you think about it, than, than paying thousands of pounds to going on. Of course, that's kind of what I want from this group. I want people to be, to get as much good education as they possibly can from the incredible uh, plethora of talent. Is that a way of, is that, yes. that's, that's a good word, isn't it? Yeah. Plethora of talent that we have under our roof. And, yeah. you know, it means that we can all, grow together we can all rise up together and i'm that's what you know when i originally had this idea for this group i remember i was out on a walk and i sent i sent it was a sunday afternoon and i sent a voice note to ruby who's our operations manager and i said to ruby and i wrote underneath it do not read until monday and she wrote underneath you know me right <laughs> and she literally went and that, and that led to us changing and having it in our, in our slack group we, we had to now have a slack channel where we discuss new ideas because she can pick and choose when she listens to it if i send her a whatsapp it, it obviously comes up but i remember it happening on a, on a sunday and i was just like i was walking into birmingham and i was like oh my god this is such a good idea and i started to get like really excited about it <laughs> um yeah you you, you I, I i i i describe like how we do things here and process we put in place i mean I, I spent Friday evening creating our new phone system and I went to bed happy, like really the happiest I've been in a long, <laughs> long time. I was just so happy and content. I couldn't get the smile off my face. And that's the side of either someone that really enjoys what they're doing yeah. or someone that needs to get out a little bit more. I don't know. <laughs> like whenever, whenever I see you, you're always out like having the time of your life. And I think to myself, oh, I, I should be more... I should be more like Chanel. I should, I should be more like Chanel. <laughs> That's so funny because I always think I should be more like you. <laughs> well, we, we could we could do a swapsie for a week. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go I'll go out with all your your mates and then, <laughs> and then and then you could try and you know sort out some email marketing or something for us. Yeah, yeah. no worries. Done, done. Yeah. Done. <laughs> so so the, the people that are watching this back, like hopefully they're getting a bit of an insight into what my my and Chanel's conversations actually. About. I know. <laughs> I'm so glad that we get on so well. But yeah. um, one thing I think we should do, we've, we've been on for like 45 minutes. So I think we've, probably, we've got to start wrapping things up. But yes. um, one thing I wanted to talk about, I wanted to ask you a little bit about was um, trends, um, things that you're seeing or not necessarily trends, maybe some like new things that you're suddenly you're seeing uh, lenders start to do. Like, like a good example would be, um, I am seeing lots more clients do AVMs, uh, not, uh, lot, lots more lenders do AVMs now, particularly yeah. on the bridging side. Are you seeing yeah. that? Yeah, yeah. And there's even um, there's even term lenders that have started doing it as well, which is good. Yeah. I mean, why not, isn't it? I mean, I, I actually spoke to um, a BDM at BM Solutions, and they're, they're obviously sister company of Halifax, and... Um, I've just recently had a residential mortgage go through with Halifax. It is so rapid how quick they get to offer. It's frightening. And I just think, I know there's, I know there's more complex cases and things like that, but I just think, why does it take so long with other lenders? Like BM Solutions, again, they they said they're, they're pretty much the same as, as Halifax, which is 
a desktop valuation or an AVM, and it literally goes straight to offer like the following day. They don't ask for much. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love it. I, I suppose the thing, the thing is with with a, a sort of like the Halifax family, including including BM, is that's Birmingham Midshires as well. For so it's it's these are one of this one of the lenders where it's BM solutions for us. But if you go yeah. direct, it's Birmingham Midshires. I don't know why they have two separate yeah, names. Yeah. It's really really weird. But anyway, um, it's a little bit like uh, Yorkshire Building Society and Accord. They are literally. Yeah. I mean, they, they they at least that's a bit different in terms of their branding is different, but they are basically the same lender. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Yorkshire Building Society is direct to consumer and Accord is broker. But anyway, yeah. um, I think one of the differences is because with Halifax, it's the data that they have actually scraped together themselves. Mm. They put more trust into it. Whereas yeah. imagine, um, which is actually weird because Nationwide do the same thing, yet they're nowhere near as rapid. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and TMW are pernickety as whatever i'm not gonna yeah. say i'm not gonna I'm not gonna swear on this on this live stream even though it is uh getting close to the watershed um <laughs> yeah. the, uh, but it's i think it's because it's their own data that they feel confident in it so you wouldn't imagine like kent reliance for example utilizing the data, and also they won't have access to halifax's mm -hmm. data live whereas halifax have, have access to that live data therefore yeah. They can do it obviously the avm and that's automated valuations for those that haven't come across that terminology before um they will see that um so i'll just see that we will be we a, a question come in which we'll come to in a sec um but the it's still it's a it's a it's a third party and i think there's a trust thing that's what i think it mm -hmm. is it's lenders don't trust it it's right i was talking to somebody recently um, it was another broker actually, and they were quite damning about one of the bridging lenders that we use quite a lot. Um, so I did my usual thing of going, mm, 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 mm. I listen when I'm talking to other brokers, I listen, I talk a lot, but when I'm listening, when I'm talking to other brokers, I don't talk, I just yeah. listen to what they've got to say, and I go, Yeah, yeah, good, yeah, nice. Um, but he was damning to one of our lenders saying that, um, because they do a lot of AVMs, they're like, Oh, they've overexposed themselves. They've, they've, you know, they've taken on a lot of bad, bad properties, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And I'm thinking, no, they've used automated valuations. Yes. Okay. There are certain things, but a lot of these lenders, as when they do the AVMs, you've got to supply internal and external photos. And in some, some ways, uh, in some instances, um, uh, video walkthroughs as well. Yeah. So it does, you know, it does relieve the, required cost and time a lot of the time to to go and actually physically do the valuations but it doesn't relieve the you know all the all the work that's involved it does add a little bit of additional work to the client the borrower because they need to yeah. do these extra things by the way if you are if you're asking a question in the box um let us know who you are because we can't see your name so it'd be nice to know who it is that's actually asked that question um uh but there's um i suppose this is on um uh, this is this is kind of an offshoot to this. This question is: um, They've asked, is there any, is there, oh, is there only specific lenders? I get my put my teeth back in. Is there only <laughs> specific lenders doing desktop valuations for refinance? Could you choose this specific lender? Accepting costs may be higher. Um, yeah, so there are lenders like you said about BM Solutions, Birmingham Midshires. Mm -hmm. We know that they do desktop valuations quite a lot of the time, um, yeah. and couple that with. So we we should probably explain what the difference between a desktop valuation and AVM and an in person inspection as well, shouldn't we? Yeah. Um, 
obviously ABM is fully automated. That is like computer says no, like push a button. Um, mm. We actually have access to some lenders that have a portal that we can access. We can go in, we can put the property details in, and it will tell us whether it's eligible for an automated valuation or not. I tend to do this a lot when I've got a client that is like, I don't know whether I want to put this in, uh, whether, whether I want to buy this property or not. Mm. And then we um, and then we can just quickly check and do the AVM and we'll put the price in yeah. and, and see if it comes back. Because then if, for example, they're like, I think it's worth 200, but I'm going to I'm going to buy it. I'm going to put an offer in for 170. I go through, do the AVM. Number one, it comes back, except and I know that. Um, and so we know that, A, we can use it. But secondly, we we see if it comes yeah, back at, um, and, and 200 accepted, you know, you're yeah. getting a deal for one for 170. Um, yeah. So that's a really good way. So automated is like computer says no, no humans involved. Desktop is a physical valuer just doing a valuation, just not physically visit, visiting the property. So there is a lot of the time lenders will, will, won't charge for that. Some bridging lenders will charge a small fee for that if that's what they do. Um, and then obviously the physical in inspection we, we know about. So to answer that question, I guess, um, Chanel, is yes, we can. We do know some of these lenders, um, but they're not always guaranteed though, are they? Like they always reserve the right to to, to request an internal inspection. Yeah, yeah, they can they can say, well, yeah, we kind of want to just double check that. And even some of them will ask for, for an actual physical valuation um yeah. so yeah that can happen as well but yeah like we yeah. i did i had one uh fairly recently where and again this is i guess this this is a, a sort of a follow-on thanks for the question Kalpash, by the way um your remortgage is going very well at the moment so we're hoping we'll complete on that nice and quick um the is the when we do some of the um with, with bridging lenders in particular because obviously there's usually a lot of refurbishment that needs to get done um lenders will also reserve the right to potentially do an internal inspection if once the underwriter has had a look at the schedule of works and what they'll tend to do as well. And this is where people go, like, uh, I think borrowers sometimes don't realise how much access to information and how deep lenders actually go. When they're doing their underwriting, they will go and have a look online to see if they can find the property, see if they can find the listing on Rightmove or Zoopla or if it's on a through auction they'll go and look at the lot they'll see oh it's it was with savills let's go oh, it's, it's lot 25 let's have a look at it let's have a look at the pictures let's go on google i mean we send them a google um maps street view link so they can actually have a little look at the area as well to make a decision mm -hmm. so that when and we send that before we even submit an application by the way guys that's sent to them yeah. on in our initial pack tell me a broker that does that very few brokers will do that if any at all um so we are, you know, we're, we're really making sure they make the right decision. But it can come through. We can get a computer says yes on the um, uh, on the uh, uh, AVM. But if they then see on the schedule of works, mm, okay, they, that looks like they're actually going to do some structural work. The big one for me is if there's anything on sort of dampened timber and they need to sort yeah. out some dampened timber, a lot of the time they will then in, uh, request an internal inspection. So... You know, we could play the game and kind of maybe limit some of the things that we're putting on a schedule of works to, you know, make it more likely that a lender is not going to request an internal inspection after doing an AVM. But at the same time, we've got to have a balance and we've got to make sure that we're giving um, lenders the right information. Yeah. So. Yeah, no, I agree. 
Um, what was I thinking? Oh, that, that one product, the, the trends. You asked me about trends. Um, the product that we've been looking at recently, which is the Daybreak Bridge. Yes. So seeing a lot, like a lot of clients running over on their bridges. Um, and I don't know what it is. I think even from the conversation that we've had today with clients is sometimes they don't actually realize the severity of what they do, they're doing. Like it's quite easy to get on a bridge and it's, it's like we take care of everything and it's, but realistically you need to be on time and pay that bridge back like no questions so when you're in a position where you're a few weeks away from needing to redeem that bridge and you still haven't submitted a remortgage if that's what your exit is then you're in a bit of bother and you need to either rebridge or you accept the penalty or accept an extension from your existing lender but that comes at a cost and so you want to avoid that as early as possible so if you do find that you're you know a month away from your redemption and you still haven't you know, either got a mortgage offer or even submitted your remortgage, then um, getting getting in touch with the, with the broker to to try and arrange, you know, some alternative finance, which is quite cost cost effective. To be honest, um, the rate is zero point zero nine percent a day, um, and it's charged per day. So you know, you could redeem. You don't have to pay monthly then when you're on a bridge, and there's no arrangement fee with that either. So. You know, I've seen plenty of clients that have run over and then straight away they're slapping a 2% arrangement fee on top of your of your loan and then they're loading the rate by 1%. So if, you, if you're able to, you know, avoid getting to that point, then a day rate bridge is, is like very good. Yeah, and I think it's really important, I think, with that is that number one, I love the fact that this product exists because it is a really good example of, of lenders reading the market and and, create, <laughs> and uh, yeah reading the room playing what's in front of them to use a, yeah. another another sporting analogy yeah. um and it, it's um you know we don't we're not famous for that in our industry you know quick mm. thinking and creative uh products um it usually takes a long time for these things to surface but i like that this kind of product but i think it's really important to 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 note on top of that is these are only going to be available in, in, in a position that we call a, um, a a fixed exit. So if using your example there, you know, we've submitted an application, um, you know, a, the bridging lender that's offering the day rate bridge is going to want to know that it's pretty watertight. They're not going to put you on this product unless they know for sure that they're going to get their money back. So generally speaking, we would have had to have already submitted an application for a refinance um, yeah. I mean, sometimes I've had conversations with certain people at these lenders and, you know, they've said, well, actually, we need to see an offer, you know, yeah. to, to, you know, depending on the, on the deal. Um, sometimes they're good with just, you know, we've gone down the route, we've got decision principle, full application, underwriting complete, we're just waiting for the valuation to come back. Um, sometimes they'll just want to see that the valuations come back because if they, if underwriting's done and valuation's back, it's just in a queue to get the offer done. Yeah. And then, and then we might be a month and a half out or whatever on in terms of legals and just waiting for the offer to come out. So they're, they're okay with that sort of thing. But realistically, like it's a max term of three, three months, but yeah. they don't, they're not going to lend on something that they think is going to go quite close to the edge. Really, it's there for yeah. a month, six weeks with a roll on for three months, you know, so. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a cracking product. I really do. Um, and I'm seeing us needing to use it more and more, to be honest. Um, well, yeah, that's what I was just thinking then as you were speaking. I was just thinking, 
I wonder if I looked back at my clients and and looked at a trend over the last two years and see really what on average the term of a bridge should be when a client is coming to us and saying, oh, yeah, it's only going to take us three months to do the refurb and we're putting them on nine month bridges like that should normally in a normal circumstance be enough because then there's plenty of time there for contingency and there's plenty of time for your exit. But there's there's clients really taking it to the wire or running over in these examples. And I'm thinking, do I need to start advising on longer terms for 12 months just to be safe? And I think, yeah, I think moving forward, that is probably going to be my advice, to be honest. Yeah. Things are just taking longer. I, I I certainly agree. I mean, I'm doing a lot more twelve month bridges now than I was a year ago. Yeah, it's just there's this no 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 doubt, and I'm and I'm you know I think you and I are very similar in the advice we give to our clients as well on bridges when we're talking about terms, where yeah. they're they're the ones pushing us going, no, I want the shortest term possible, and we're going at ah, ah, no way, no you know, there's no no chance. But I also think lenders are pushing back a little bit as well, which is yeah. which is actually good to see. It's good to see bridging lenders lending responsibly because it's not something yeah. that they're. I think they get a bad rep, but it's only because historically that's been the case. But yeah, it's mm. certainly a lot more um, lenders nowadays lending a lot more responsibly, which which I think is is very very good. But I'm, yeah. I'm keeping. I'm keeping an eye on the time, and we're closing in on an hour. We did say we we oh. for an hour. Um, yeah. So I thought, well, look, to, to, to finish things off, guys um, that are watching either live or if you watch it back afterwards or if you're listening, we're going to we're going to actually put this onto the podcast as well, because um, I think this is a valuable conversation that we want to put on there, um, which, you know, whatever the case is, um, if you do want any help with anything, if you want to follow up on any topics or discussions we've been on here, you know, feel free, uh, particularly just to reach out to Chanel direct. So. Chanel, your email is chanel.edwards at grandunionfinancelltd.co.uk. Um, and um, yeah, we'll make sure that uh, every all the brokers sort of contact details, Canadly links, all that kind of stuff um, are scattered around the group. So you'll be able to uh, to, to book calls and, and and whatnot. But obviously use your um, use this group, ask questions. Um, Chanel, myself and other members of the Grand Union team are on here and um and and happy to assist happy to help so i guess uh chanel any any wise words to to, to finish off with or are you just going to say goodbye oh wise word um ne- well, never ne- never eat yellow snow you know yeah never eat <laughs> yellow snow <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no i think yeah, just like you said, take advantage of this group and hopefully we can we can help out in any way we can to 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 make uh, our clients better investors every day. Indeed, indeed. Well, Chanel, thanks ever so much for joining me. And um, guys, we will be letting you know about who our guest is going to be next week. Now, there is a very, very good chance that I have completely buggered up my diary for next week because it turns out i'm actually out of the office all day on monday next week um so we're gonna be doing monday 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 i've got a really brilliant guest lined up for monday and i'm gonna have to speak to them to say can we do tuesday instead please <laughs> um, unless you want to do this chanel um and you can just uh you, you just be you you and you and them chatting uh but we might have to have a a little internal conversation yeah <laughs> and we'll, and we'll come. but um, but we have got our, our guests absolutely lined up we've got all of our guests lined up for the next three or four weeks now which is really really good um one of which is actually 
a client. So that's very exciting. Um, and we will be letting you all know about that in due course. And um, and yeah, but but hold hold fire on, on what day we're going to do next week because we might have to change yeah. it around. I realised this earlier on when I was doing my Monday Mortgage Mail because I was like, see you next Whoa, No, I won't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Tuesday. Put, put it in pencil in your diary, guys. Yeah, pencil. Pencil, pencil, not pen. Um, but yeah, Chanel, thanks ever so much for giving up an hour of your time. And um, my pleasure. I'll, well, I'll, speak to you, I'll speak to you tomorrow. And um, yeah, any, any questions you guys have got, drop it in there, drop it in the group and we'll come back to you. But thanks, Chanel. And we'll see you all later. See you later. Yep, that's it. Thank you so much for sticking around to the end of the episode, guys. If you have enjoyed this episode or any of the other Game of Loans podcast episodes, please, I would ask you a massive favour to leave a five-star review. It massively helps me grow the podcast and reach more people that will hopefully enjoy the episodes as much as you have. Thank you so much in advance for this, and I'll hopefully see you on the next episode.